Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the cutting edge research that could change the way humans age with help from author Andrew Steele. You'll also learn about a 3,000 light year long break in one of the arms of the Milky Way. Let's break some curiosity. Let's satisfy it instead, actually. It sounds better. Humans have always sought a fountain of youth, something that could keep them young into old age and even let them live forever. But it's only been recently that science has been able to tackle the problem of aging head on. And as you'll hear from today's guest, the advancements that have been made are really exciting. Andrew Steele is a computational biologist and science writer and author of the book Ageless, the new science of getting older without getting old. And to start our conversation, we wanted to clarify, by treating aging, he doesn't actually mean making humans live forever, right? I think that's something that is often a misconception. You know, when you talk about treating aging or even curing aging, which is something I talk about in the book, people imagine sort of sci-fi dystopias and living forever and immortality. And, you know, I get a lot of those kinds of questions from journalists. But fundamentally, you know, the reason I think this is this enormous humanitarian challenge is because aging is horrible. You know, the, the ways in which it kills you, it kills you slowly and in unpleasant ways. Things like heart disease, things like cancer. You don't just go to bed one night and then not wake up the next morning completely painlessly with nothing else wrong with you they slowly sap your independence over years and over decades and then there's the stuff we don't necessarily even call diseases things like you know the memory loss the hearing loss the sight loss basically the loss of independence your loss loss of muscle mass all these different things that mean that you just can't get on with your life as you get older and so the idea would be to intervene in this process and obviously defer some of that frailty defer some of the conditions of ill health and so the fact is that the thing that kills you, you know, the, the reason that you die is because you get ill, because you get cancer, because you get heart disease. And so by deferring those diseases, we would extend people's lifespans. But the most important thing to me isn't the lifespan extension in and of itself. It's the prevention of suffering. Got it. Greater quality of life later in life. That sounds great. So let's talk about what's being done. Whatever the furthest research is, like let's say we make like an anti-aging drug. What would that look like and how would we make that possible? I think the most exciting and simplest examples, thankfully those two things coincide, which makes my life nice and easy, is to look at what are called senescent cells. These are aged cells that accumulate in all of our bodies as we get older. These senescent cells, they exist as a cancer protection mechanism. So if a cell has got a lot of damage or mutations in its DNA, or perhaps even if it's just divided suspiciously many times, your body looks at it and goes, well, that cell's divided an awful lot. It's probably at risk of becoming a cancer. So what I'll do is I'll slam on the brakes. And enters this senescent state and what senescent means it's just the biological word for old so they are effectively old cells that means that it's going to stop dividing but unfortunately these cells don't just stop dividing and then sort of hang on benign elders of the cellular community they actually pump out this cocktail of toxic molecules and the reason those toxic molecules are pumped out obviously isn't to be toxic in and of itself it's to attract over the immune system and the immune system in youth gobbles up these senescent cells so they're being produced at a certain rate as an anti-cancer mechanism the immune system comes and gobbles them up 
The trouble is, as you get older, you're producing more of these cells. So, you know, the, the DNA damage, the number of times your cells are divided is increasing all the time. And that means you're more likely to produce these cells. Your immune system is getting worse at clearing those cells up. And so the ultimate end product of this uh, sort of pair of processes is that these cells start to build up in your body, emitting these toxic molecules. And we think they effectively accelerate the aging process. And the reason that we think that, or the most convincing evidence that we think that, is actually much more optimistic than anything I've just said, because that all sounds like, oh, you know, this is grim, these senescent cells are accumulating, what can we do? Well, the fact is that scientists have developed these drugs, and at the moment they've just been tried in mice, and they're starting to be tried in humans. But these drugs, you can give them to mice that are aged about 24 months old. So this was an experiment done in 2015. They gave this cocktail of drugs to these mice. Now, mice live a lot less long than humans do, as anyone who's ever had a pet mouse will know. So 24 months is roughly equivalent to maybe 70 in human years. So these are quite old mice. And you give them what are called senolytic drugs, these drugs that kill the senescent cells and leave the rest of the cells in their body intact. And these mice... Well, they basically get biologically younger. Firstly, they live a bit longer, which obviously you know, is, a, is a, a good sign that something's happening. But it's not just living longer in old, you know, ill health in a frail state. They're actually at less risk of cancer, at less risk of heart disease, at less risk of cataracts. So all the disease risk is reduced. They're less frail. They can run further and faster on a little mousy treadmill. They seem to have cognitive improvements. So if you put a young mouse into a maze, it'll often be very exploratory and you know, check out its new environment. But an older mouse might be more anxious, might just be less willing to move, and so doesn't seem to be so exploratory. But these senolytics rejuvenate some of that exploratory tendency. And finally, I'm a computational biologist, so that means that I've never actually worked with mice, you know, physically in the lab. But even to my untrained eye, these mice just look fantastic. They have better fur, they have thicker, plumper skin. So it really does seem like these senescent cells are driving not just the disease, not just the frailty, but also the cosmetic signs of aging. And so the idea is that by giving these senolytics, killing the senescent cells, we can reduce the burden of those cells, reduce the process of aging overall. And what's most exciting about this is this isn't just some theoretical thing that's happening in mice there are currently 20 or 30 companies trying to turn this from an idea in the lab to a, a treatment for patients in their clinic so it might not be too long before we're using these senolytic drugs you know in, in hospitals and clinics around the world so yeah that's really exciting and it also led us to ask when exactly are we going to have these new drugs on the market when people ask me how long is it going to be before these treatments are in the clinic, uh, I'm a scientist, so I hate giving timelines and journalists therefore hate me and they keep on trying to pin me down. I think the way in which I always answer this question is simultaneously dodging it, but also really, really exciting. And the answer to that is this is going to happen in time for most people alive today. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we've got senolytics that are already in human trials. You've got some other drugs that are already in human trials. They're going to be developed at first for treating specific diseases where we know something like a senescent cell is, is driving that disease. But if those drugs are effective, and most importantly, if they're safe, so if we can contemplate giving them to, you know, quote unquote, un otherwise healthy people who just happen to be in their 50s or their 60s, so they're old enough, that they've accumulated a lot of these senescent cells then, you know, that's going to start getting really exciting. And so if the first senolytic, if we're lucky, you know, is approved in the next few years, it could well be in the next decade that we start thinking about using these things preventatively. And that means that, you know, if you follow the health advice, if you take some senolytics, there are things I talk about in the book, like gene therapy and like stem cell therapy. And these sound like sci-fi, and they're certainly further away than a couple of years. 
but you know if you're in good health if you take those analytics if you add a little bit more to your lifespan through you know healthy eating and exercise and brushing your teeth then you could definitely be alive in time for some of these later therapies which then extend your life even more and give scientists even more time to develop new treatments and so this is just a point in history where i'm really concerned about trying to stay as healthy as possible because i really think we're on the cusp of what i describe in the book as the greatest revolution in medicine since the discovery of antibiotics so yeah i'm i'm very optimistic and i think the most important thing all of us can do for our health is to spread the word about how exciting this science is make sure the research gets funded make sure it gets done make sure these medicines get out to everyone in the world because there's just such a huge economic benefit there's such a huge benefit in terms of human welfare i think this is so so important so we just need to get the news out there did you hear him say brushing your teeth yeah, we were surprised by that, too. Andrew will be back tomorrow to explain how dental health can help slow the aging process. Again, that was Andrew Steele, a computational biologist and science writer and author of Ageless, the new science of getting older without getting old. You can find a link to pick it up in the show notes and be sure to come back tomorrow for more. Hey, Cody, how can you tell that a galaxy has a broken arm? I don't know. With an X-ray telescope. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, this particular study used an infrared telescope, but it, the joke wouldn't really work that way. Pretty good, right? Mm. But yes, astronomers have recently found a break in our home galaxy's arm, and they're not sure what caused it. See, our Milky Way galaxy is a barred spiral galaxy. Most of its stars, gas clouds, and dust are in five thick spiral arms. These arms rotate in a flat disk around a central zone of stars with elongated bar-shaped orbits, which is where the bar in barred spiral galaxy comes from. And recently, a group of international researchers has discovered that there's a strangely angled splinter of stars in one of our galaxy's spiral arms. In other words, it has a broken arm. Our sun is in the Orion Spur a minor arm between the larger Perseus arm and Sagittarius arm. It's our neighbor, the Sagittarius arm, that has this strange splinter. While the overall arm curves at an angle about 12 degrees, the splinter sticks out of it at an angle of 56 degrees. Not quite perpendicular, but getting there. Even though the break is a relatively small piece of the Milky Way, it's pretty big in absolute terms. It's about 3,000 light years across. And this splinter is the first one that scientists have found in our home galaxy. But how did astronomers find this break? I mean, we can't exactly take a picture of the Milky Way. Our furthest spacecraft have just barely left the solar system. Well, one clever technique scientists have used to chart the galaxy are maps of young stellar objects, or YSOs. Those are protostars in the final stages of star formation. Because we can detect their infrared light, several major stellar mapping projects have pinpointed hundreds of thousands of them. The locations of YSOs closely follow the overall structure of the spiral arms, so it was by looking for the patterns of YSOs that scientists found the splinter. There are several theories for what caused the break, from expanding superbubbles to gravitational instabilities. But scientists aren't quite sure whether it was an isolated event or it had something to do with the structure of the arm itself. We've seen splinters like this in other distant galaxies, so they don't seem to be rare. 
but this is the first one we've observed up close, and that'll help scientists to develop and hopefully test theories for what caused this strange break. My theory? It got in a fight. You know what you say to start a fight in space? No. Comment me, bro. Well, that was fun. Let's do a quick recap of what we learned today. Starting with the fact that, according to Andrew Steele, the most important part of aging research isn't helping people live forever. It's reducing suffering and improving people's quality of life as we grow old. One way researchers are doing that is by taking a hard look at senescent, or basically old, cells. Senescent cells are aged cells that accumulate in your body and release molecules to get your immune system to gobble them up. The problem is that as you get older, we produce more senescent cells and our immune system isn't as good at clearing them out. And there's evidence that as these cells build up, they accelerate the aging process. Right. And that's why senolytic drugs are so important to anti-aging research. They selectively kill senescent cells. And in experiments in older mice, senolytic drugs have essentially made mice biologically younger, helping them do everything from run faster to look more youthful. Dozens of companies are working on senolytic drugs, with some in human trials right now. Which is why Andrew Steele says he thinks we're on the cusp of, quote, the greatest revolution in medicine since the discovery of antibiotics, unquote. He was very excited about this, and it was hard not to take on that excitement. Right. How can you not be excited about this? Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm remaining skeptical. In everything like this, it's always like, yes, in the next five to 10 years, that's when we're going to have it. And it's like, you know, I've seen that come and go enough times. I'm holding my breath. But his excitement was infectious, and I definitely jumped on board. Hey, I never thought CM Punk was going to wrestle again. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. And I was there at the United Center, right there. He walks out, cult of personality. Let's go, dude. I mean, if that can happen. Oof. Right. Anyway. Moving on from that very relatable anecdote, we also learned that the Milky Way has a broken arm, the Sagittarius arm, to be precise, which has a 3,000 light year, quote unquote, break that juts out at a 56 degree angle. Scientists don't know what caused it, but they do know that it's not that rare. Lots of other galaxies have breaks like this, too. But this break is home to a lot of the nebulas you may have seen in space images. If you've ever seen the Pillars of Creation image, and you know the Eagle Nebula. It's there, as is the Omega, or Horseshoe Nebula, the Trifid Nebula, and the Lagoon Nebula. Pillars of Creation was my phone background for many years. It's a great image. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great time to just, like, refresh our memories about how every single image of the Milky Way you've ever seen is not real. Isn't that mind-blowing? Because it was taken from inside the Milky Way, so... Well, it wasn't t like if you've seen an entire image of the Milky Way, it was made up completely. It was an artist's representation of what the Milky Way probably looks like from all of the observations we've made. But we've never been outside of the Milky Way. So every full image of the Milky Way you've ever seen is our approximation of what it probably looks like, which I don't know. That blows my mind for some reason. It's just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> The idea of getting far enough outside our galaxy to take a little selfie is really amazing. Well, we're never going to be able to take a selfie now because we've got a broken arm. Oh, because you can do a one-handed selfie, Cody. The Milky Way has a lot of arms. It can hold a camera. 
it can't hold a camera, but it does have a lot of arms. <laughs> the writer for today's Milky Way story was Brianna Brownell. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. You know what's a good way to keep yourself youthful? Keep learning stuff. Which gives you a great excuse to join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. <laughs>